Nebraska on Tap, the source for everything educational and informational about groundwater in agriculture. If you are an ag producer or a citizen of Nebraska, this show is made for you by the Middle Republican Natural Resource District. Now it's time for our weekly show, hosted by Heather Disming. Welcome back, Nebraska, to this week's edition of Nebraska on Tap. This week, we are going to talk a little bit about small-scale farming. So that helps improve crop production and quality, whether you want to consider that urban farming or small-scale farming has definitely been in urban areas for a long time, but it also takes place out here in rural Nebraska as well. So no matter the size of your farm or ranch, NRCS offers assistance with conservation planning and installing practices that are specific to your natural resources needs and business goals. So I brought Brock Johnson, who is a part of NRCS for the urban farming, and he goes into a little bit more detail with some of these things that are available for the small-scale farmers. So from simple management systems, such as planting cover crops, um, you know, to complex structural practices, such as animal waste management systems or innovative irrigation devices, the NRCS can help you out with some of these conservation plans. So they do quite a few things. They help you with pruning issues. They also can help you with some of the landscape issues that you might face as well. If you go to the USDA's website, they do have United States Department of Agricultural Urban Agricultural Programs at Glance. This is pretty extensive. It's only seven pages, but it talks about the farm loan programs, the urban agricultural and innovative production grants, the business and industry guaranteed loan program. It also talks about conservation programs, conservation innovation grants, um, cooperative extension, beginning farmer development program, which is also awesome. So if you're an entrepreneur on that side and want to get into some of the small scale farming that's available to you. It also talks a little bit about the farmer market promotion program. It also tells you about the value added producer grant program, organic certification. I mean, it's just very extensive. So if a big farm is not in your development plans, but a small farm is in your dream, I highly suggest that you listen to the rest of this episode. You can learn a little bit about it. So we talked to our board member, Rose Westcamp. She is actually going to start a small farm and we have Brock, who was out at her small farm helping with irrigation navigation for other NRCS members to learn. And he's going to tell us a little bit about how it works on his end. So stay tuned as we get into those interviews. Hi, my name is Rose Westcamp, and I'm from McCook, Nebraska. Um, I am originally from McCook, left for 45 years, recently came back. Very excited to be doing a podcast. And Rose, you are a part of the Garden Club there in McCook. So tell us about your part in the Garden Club. All right. There's about 35 of us that uh, are mostly retired women who enjoy flowers and produce and that type of thing. During the warmer summer months, we will go to each other's gardens and take tours. So we went to Sylvia's garden and saw how beautiful all of her greenhouses were, her wildflowers, the rolling hills. And I grabbed a lot of inspiration from her and other clubs and would like to do that out on my own property. Mm -hmm. And then you guys just had Brock Johnson from NRCS 
come down because we would like to use my property as kind of a pilot program for the urban farming and it would be a lovely place to tour my garden sometime on the garden club right exactly why do you think urban farming is important well probably the biggest thing was when i took my 11 year old daughter out to the garden and asked her to pull a green stem out and she looked absolutely baffled and said why is there a carrot in your yard and i think it would be a wonderful opportunity for me to encourage the younger generation with the older generation. The property is just a mile north of the retirement home. And I would love to combine maybe third graders and the senior citizens together and have the third graders inspire the older people with their technology and the older people inspire the young ones with the way it used to be and expand that relationship beyond the garden. How do you inspire all this through the public service since you are a board member on the Middle Republican NRD? Mm -hmm. Well, there's so many different avenues and I'm learning. I'm brand new to the board, um, learning every single day. And every time we come to a a meeting, I, I find more inspiration and more information going to the conferences and that type of thing. There is so many opportunities for community service and I would love to be a training session. I would love to start from seed and let the little kids in the school come out and grab their pumpkins, whatever, and let them know that, you know, it's important to be self-sustainable and you can be. And with conservation efforts and water quality and the ability to work with different farming organizations and different agencies that maybe people can become a little more aware that we need to be more self-sufficient and grow our own produce and stay local and really help each other out. Yeah, no, I think that's great, especially with the older generation helping the younger generation, because Mm -hmm. there's different types of things that you need to know when you're raising different types of uh, produce or Mm -hmm. plants, cut flowers to herbal flowers, fresh produce, and how to capture those seeds, seed bank them, and when to pull them out, when to plant them, right? Exactly. And, you know, to teach the kids that it's, it's not just consumerism, you know, it's, there is, they can be part of making the world a better place. They can be part of global warming, climate concerns, that type of thing. But so many children don't have the opportunity to know where to start. Right. So it'd be a good starting point, I believe. Yeah, everybody needs that little, for lack of better representation, seed mm-hmm. of inspiration. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. And then um, I'm going to have Brock on in just a few about his tour and how he does urban planning for the bigger cities. So thank you, Rose, so much for stopping in and joining us today and talking to us a little bit about how urban farming affects you. Hello, I'm Brock Johnson with the Natural Resources Conservation Service. I was out of the Wahoo, Nebraska NRCS field office. Long history with natural resources management in the state of Nebraska. I've had a nine-year career working in private industry, working for geotechnical companies in the private sector in Nebraska, working on groundwater quality and groundwater remediation. I worked for the Lower Elkhorn Natural Resources District in Norfolk for four years, University of Nebraska Conservation Survey, 
and I've now had a 22-year career with the Natural Resources Conservation Service. In my travels, I've worked in mostly field offices that work all across this great state, managing and conserving our natural resources. And you were just back this way in McCook doing irrigation training. Yeah, so last week I was in McCook for a day. I traveled the state training our what urban and small-scale farming uh, can do. So I was working uh, with NRCS field office staff in the McCook field office. I had an opportunity to do a site visit on their private uh, individual's property as a, a small-scale grower. Since you've been in the water conservation and you've worked for the NRD and you've been with the NRCS for a very long time, how do you help somebody plan their irrigation map for their property when they decide to do this small-scale growing? Well, when an NRCS employee goes on to a property for a small-scale producer, um, we are looking at the same things that we look with our traditional customers. We're looking for those same resource concerns that exist on the site. Uh, we're looking at a different scale. Um, we might not be looking at a couple sections of rangeland and what the resource concerns might be on that rangeland, or in a cropland scenario, it might not be a quarter section of land that's being irrigated with gravity irrigation center pivot irrigation and then maybe you want to switch to a different irrigation system we're looking on the small scale so the grower might have an acre or two when we go to the site and but we're looking for the same thing so in the example of rangeland maybe the person has um, some grassland there that they're feeding some goats or a few head of cattle chickens are also really popular across the state in urban farms um, especially in the city you'd be surprised how many chickens are um, being raised in the city of omaha and lincoln so that can occur all across small towns across the state uh, additionally, then another thing we look at quite often is the irrigation system like you spoke about. So uh, we inventory the site and we see what types of irrigation system the grower might be using at the time of our visit. And then we uh, make recommendations to either save or conserve water, maybe distribute the water more effectively on the site. And then we come up with a plan map just like we would on any traditional farmer's land. But the scale of the map is smaller because we might just have a few acres for the whole farm. And instead of acres for the irrigation system, we might be talking about square feet. So a square feet of drip irrigation system, a punch emitter system that's in linear feet, not acres and things like that. So it's all of the same types of resource concerns that we're trying to address just at a different scale. So when you guys are doing the conserving of the natural resources through these conservation practices with these small-scale growers, what helps you out with that erosion control, putting up those high tunnels and raised beds with the irrigation that you're doing for them? Well, yeah, so we're looking at a real diverse set of resource concerns on the site. So for some of your examples there and high tunnel being one of them, the grower is not using a high tunnel greenhouse and so the high tunnel is if you're not familiar with that is it's a structure that has a polyethylene cover over the top that's translucent and helps to let light in so it acts functions like a greenhouse and the whole purpose is to extend the growing season in the spring and fall for the grower so in the case of high tunnel we might go to a, a small scale farmer that's growing uh, vegetables in the open and we find that the high tunnel uh, greenhouse, when we install that practice, we're addressing plant productivity and health. So in Nebraska, 
turns out the wind blows. And that wind in the spring uh, really can do a lot of damage to small seedlings. So the high tunnel greenhouse protects those seedlings and we find that on average, the high tunnel can help the producer grow three to four times the amount of produce if that's what they're growing or amount of material than not having a greenhouse and having that protection. Wow, so that's adding, a big increase. It is, and uh, what happened, one of the unique things with the high tunnel is we uh, put a high tunnel on a participant's land. Now we've created another resource concern and that is we don't have access to rainfall. Um, so the irrigation system in that high tunnel becomes imperative to plan that accordingly. So where the grower was previously receiving rainfall on that open grower area, now um, we need to coordinate uh, with an irrigation system that's appropriate for the crop rotation that they're growing inside that high tunnel. So those are examples of uh, the high tunnel. For soil erosion, is some of the same practices that we see in our uh, traditional, working with traditional customers. So if we have a highly erodible site where some foreign drainage is coming through the, the property, uh, we might install a grass waterway, a field border or a buffer strip mm -hmm. around the property to protect for erosion. If it's wind erosion, we have practices uh, on the small scale for um, developing a windbreak. Uh, to break that up. The windbreak obviously also helps benefit our high tunnel. Mm -hmm. um, so there's multiple reasons and uses and benefits from some, installing some of those practices on the small scale. And when you are working with the small scale growers and the urban farmers, they actually can be assigned a farm number, correct? Yeah, so a, a real impactful moment for us at NRCS was in uh, the 2018 Farm Bill. As a result of that farm bill, the Farm Service Agency, who is our sister agency, so to speak, in our service centers across the state. In fact, we have 71 service centers across Nebraska. So wow. almost every county has the USDA service center and we're co-located with the Farm Service Agency there. And so 2018, the Farm Service Agency, they're in charge of um, giving an individual or an entity a farm number. And that farm number is like a, social security number, so to speak, for land that makes land eligible for USDA programs. So FSA was able to shrink the size of that farm number down to a tenth of an acre, and they hadn't been able to do that uh, previously. So we're basically a tenth of an acre is around a 40 by 40 foot square area. So that was impactful to us. Given that farm number, you kind of unleash the power of some of the benefits that come along with being a USDA participant and helping your agricultural system flourish. Mm -hmm. uh, like you and I were talking a little bit before we got on air here, the pandemic really brought a lot of the green thumbs out of the couch, <laughs> yes. so to say. Yeah, I mean, I find a, and I can't quote this statistic, but I, I saw a presentation that University of Nebraska did that in in the year 1900, people in Nebraska, about 97% of the people in Nebraska got their food, their protein within a 10 mile radius of where they existed. Mm -hmm. And now, now it's 3% of that protein and calories comes from within 10 miles. So part of it is knowing where your food comes from. Mm -hmm. um, and then we saw with the pandemic, the the biggest thing, I guess, with the pandemic, it really dis disrupted our food distribution systems. Um, and so those traditional systems under stress really caused stress for everyone, 
but especially the underserved. And I think that uh, sort of rural Nebraska, in some ways, there are a lot of communities that are underserved when it comes to access to food. So uh, bringing us back maybe a couple generations to be a little more sustainable in our individualism, mm-hmm. I think has been a really good thing. We had talked about you and I are both from small towns. And personally, this summer, one of the ladies who works here grew too many cucumbers and too many zucchinis. So you had to come up with very weird ways to use all of them before they went out and became chicken food for her chickens. So, uh, you know, but, you know, that's only one food source. So where there's more food sources people want, need to have like a growing program within the community to make sure everybody's growing something a little different. Yeah. And that really speaks to another, another part of this equation is that getting the food distributed. So the discussions come up quite often across Nebraska and what comes first, the chicken or the egg when it comes to small scale production and food production. And the question is, do you create the market first or is the market there? Or do you get the producer first and then try to market the food and then to distribute it is a whole other thing. So your example of cucumber, uh, that's a great example of that distribution network and trying to build upon those things that make all of that better. And the last piece that I think is food preservation. So we've got several generations now that, um, you know, Generation Z millennials, even some Gen X, don't know how to preserve food. And that's a big component to your long-term viability and sustainability in rural America is the preservation of some of that produce that you're growing on your site. Canning goes a little differently these days than it had in the past for preservation. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I mean, and if you look back a couple of generations, there's so many more ways to preserve food now. Um, so there's vacuum packing and just uh, a Ziploc type bag you can preserve food in. So there's more methods, but canning is certainly a lost art. And then do you also work sometimes with hydroponic stuff or is it mainly just? So, yeah, we can't necessarily. Sometimes it's hard to work uh, for us to work directly with a hydroponics producer. We don't really have practices fit them. But I will tell you that we have partnered with about a half a dozen hydroponic growers across the state who are trying to, in this last program sign up, we have farm numbers who didn't traditionally have farm numbers with us. Mm-hmm. And they have they have land and they see the high tunnel in all six of these cases. They're seeing the high tunnel as maybe something that can help leverage some of the hydroponics uh, products that they're producing, mostly tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they have space and an access to land and they've got human capital and everything else that supports the high tunnel, they're seeing an opportunity to maybe build out uh, more diversity in their operation through some of our practices outside that facility because we do have to have production possible. And that has to happen on the land. So we can play a role, whether it's direct or indirect is sometimes a question, but um, certainly we're making that happen across the state right now. Even though um, it's not something that you totally touch, it's something that you're trying to help out. Yes, exactly. Well, I would just say that, you know, if you have any questions, again, about small scale and urban ag opportunities with um, NRCS, the Natural Resources Conservation Service. You can connect to me via email, b-r-a-c-h dot j-o-h-n-s-o-n at sign usda dot g-o-v. If you're not real sure, if you want to communicate that way, we do have service centers 
across the state, like I said, in 71 uh, counties across Nebraska. If, uh, to a web browser and put USDA NRCS Nebraska, you'll get on our homepage a service center locator there. If you click on that, you can get the nearest service center to where your location is and go talk to somebody, a physical person, and get the same information. So, And the last thing I'll say is it is a great opportunity right now to be creative in uh, the things that you want to try and accomplish. So we'd love to hear about what you're doing and see if we can be a fit and a help and a benefit to you in some way. Even for communities, if it's not an individual but a community or a school system, is trying to figure out how to create more locally produced foods. We can connect you to the players that might benefit you on a larger scale or a, or a different scale than working with someone individually to produce food mm-hmm. and fiber. So uh, Nebraska Department of Ag with the Farm to School program um, is a good connection that we have. Uh, USDA Rural Development has got some tremendous grants and opportunities for individuals and entities to grow systems out. And then Ag Marketing Service, uh, Office of Urban Ag and Innovative Production. So there's lots of connections we can make. If you have the idea, uh, let's just make the connection and see where we can go. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for all of your information today and maybe helping a few people out with some uh, answers to their questions that they had on their small-scale farming and We hope to just grow this program and make it super successful for everybody here in the state of Nebraska. Awesome. Thanks for hosting me. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brock. And thank you, Rose, for being guests today on our episode of Nebraska on Tap. So with all of that being said, I hope this helps a few people out who had some questions it gave you some answers and then for everybody else who's still curious about it and still might have a few more questions again you can always contact brock or you can utilize the websites to help you figure out what's your best plan of action with that being said i hope everybody remembers to like and follow us on spotify youtube apple podcasts and you can always go to the website again www.nebraskaontap.com to find our latest episode so we will see everybody later have a great one bye bye